0: Welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon.
1: And I am Haney.
0: We're Nedeep Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 222, kind of cool number, recorded on April the 11th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nedeepintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. And as we said last week, this is the second part, if you will. It, it's, it has its own episode number, but it's essentially the what used to be the second part of, of an episode. So this is entirely focused on a focus segment. Focused on a focus segment. I think we just have the episode number or the episode name here. Um focused on the focus segment, and then some extra stuff tacked on uh, at the end for community and news and such. But this is Simon's show today. So Simon, what do you have for us uh, in
2: store for this one? I will focus this focused focus segments on <laughs> Microsoft <laughs> Intune Suite. And uh, we mentioned this a couple of episodes back. Now it will be even harder to keep track of the episodes. I do think we are reaching for some kind of number and just hope that we get there in time before we realize that, well, we ran out of time. But Microsoft Intune Suite is a way of extending the capabilities of Microsoft Intune. And Microsoft Intune is the uh, device, especially an app management Tool of Microsoft. So you manage Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, iOS, whatever you like with it. And previously, this was one of the very, very few products or services within the Microsoft portfolio that didn't have SKUs. So you basically had Intune. If you had Intune, you had it all. And it's been a relatively cheap product if you compare it to a lot of other competitors in the market. And it's still been developed. Uh, in a rapid pace over the last, especially the last three or four years, even though it's been around for almost ten years now, or ten years in practice. So with the Intune suite, it's not just introducing a new suite of tools; it's introducing the Intune P1 SKU, which is the regular Intune. No, no, no changes there. So if you have Intune today, you have now Intune P1. See it as the. Uh, pre-facelift Intune. Then you have the option for, if I don't mistaken here, uh, for $4 per user per month you can up that to a Intune P2 license. That will give you two of the features within Microsoft Intune suite. One is the Microsoft Tunnel for mobile app management uh, which I will get into detail on in a few minutes, and you will get the uh, management of speciality devices. And speciality devices in this instance could be things like mixed reality headsets, VR headsets, or, or that kind of odd stuff that you want to manage for whatever reason. If you add an additional $6, so $10 per user per month, you will get the full Intune suite, which includes Intune P2, as well as remote help. And one of the reasons for this focus segment is that I will go through all the features. So if you haven't heard of it before, stay tuned and you will learn more than you wanted to know about it. Endpoint privilege management, advanced endpoint analytics. That's always cool when you get something that's advanced. Mm-hmm. You will get the Microsoft Tunnel for mobile app management. Uh, you will get management of speciality devices and whatever follows. So Microsoft have announced that they will continue to add new features to the Microsoft Intune suite. And the things they have publicly announced that will come probably during H1 already this year is the advanced app management, which is basically a way of getting applications from a catalog and keeping them automatically up to date. As well as cloud certificate management. So in present or in practice, PKI in in, as a service in the cloud. And all of this will be included. So why are Microsoft doing this? Intune has been developed for a number of years, but the price haven't really increased. And at some point, Microsoft can't just, and this is my opinion. A lot of people disagree on this, but they obviously don't know business. You can't just push things into the same SKU and keep charging the same amount of money. Microsoft isn't in this game to be kind to give you things for free, which I think they have done uh, for a number of years already. So this is now the ability to get a suite of products that you previously probably purchased third-party tools for from Microsoft for a relatively good price. Uh, To mention that a lot of these features is actually available as individual SKUs as well. So you can purchase remote help and endpoint privilege management and so on as individual services and products too if you only need one of them. So I think Microsoft have been more than kind and flexible in providing it to us. And if you still think it's expensive, well, then you can buy something else. So it's a way of continuing the development of new features and and solutions and add that in the package of Intune, but where they don't necessarily want to increase the price of the baseline capabilities that most organizations are using Microsoft Intune for. Are everyone following?
1: Yes, I I have a question because... Mm -hmm. Well, I don't see so much of the endpoint management side, mm-hmm. so maybe I'm just like in the dark. But how much are organizations actually leveraging the current broad capabilities of Intune and getting value out of that? And do you feel like there will be a need for these additional capabilities that are now brought into these suite Excuse, uh, I guess?
2: Uh, it's an excellent question. So, it, it's been around for, for 10 years. It's been part of E3, Microsoft 365 E3, for I don't know how many years. I still, on a weekly basis, run into relatively large organizations that still aren't using it. Yeah. For a number of different reasons. And the organizations that are using it are often using relatively limited capabilities. Within it, again, for a number of different reasons, they might have config manager. They might not understand the risks associated with mobile devices, or or they simply don't have the the mindset of trying this new way of managing it, managing devices, or new but semi new way if you compare it to other solutions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have the organizations that really got on this train very, very early and you have Mm. a lot of persons within the MVP community, especially, that are passionate about this and have been really helping organizations of all various sizes to implement this to the fullest. And, And at that point, a lot of organizations, or especially community, have started to develop solutions that fills in the gaps that you might have solved previously, either using third-party tools or even Microsoft tools that were available in AD, but just slightly harder to replicate in the cloud for, for various reasons. So I do definitely think that this will have a niche group of organizations first, but the more mature organizations get and, and when they really start to think about both security and, and user experience, I do think it will increase. I do, however, see, and that's the discussions I've had with a lot of my customers, that few will likely go for the entire suite first. They will fill one gap at the time because it's too many things to implement at once. Uh, and where I do yeah. see that uh, endpoint privilege management might be one of the first things a lot of organizations implement, uh, probably followed by remote help and such. But excellent question. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Can, can I just toss in... Um, I've, I've been mulling over one thing you said, that mm-hmm. uh, they're now shifting from giving you something to suddenly mm-hmm. charging for something. I I totally get the, the reason why you would do that, but I've also seen a number of examples where... Um, I mean, th- this is going to make people frustrated. What's your view on how the thinking goes from, from Microsoft there? How, how are they justifying doing this kind of change?
2: I, I think it's very logical, and I think that's how Microsoft sees it as well. There, there are two ways of looking at this, and, and one of the things we'll dive a little deeper into uh, in the last third of this focus segment, uh, which is the strategy with partners moving forward. But the the obvious thing here is that Microsoft customers are asking them for something. Hey, Microsoft, we we want remote help, a remote management, or a, a remote control tool. Microsoft says, okay, sure, we can develop that. But developers aren't cheap. They are definitely not free. And they need to prioritize the development cycles they do have. Either... They fix the things they need in their core service, which everyone needs and and uses and wants. Or they spend those development cycles on something new. And then you can keep the cost. But neither the community nor the customers would accept that either. So then Microsoft says, hey, we can do this. We are happy to do it when we see that it would be valuable to our customers. We have enough of them that are requesting this. How valuable is it? Will you use it? Because it's I, I can't even imagine how many thousands of hours it puts into like the design, the architecture, the user experience, all of this that many of us that are part of the MVP community especially knows about. It's thousands and thousands of hours for a very, very small feature. And somehow, you need to get money for that. And I would say that it isn't fair of putting that money on every organization that uses the service, where just... Perhaps 10% or 20% even might be using the additional things that Microsoft then would be spending the time and and money on. So I think it's it's fully reasonable. You have asked for something, you can get it, but it's certainly not for free. And it takes a lot of time to develop it, and you need to prioritize quality or new features. And the only way you can get both is put in more money. And
0: I I I absolutely agree with you. Um, but in order to Come to this conclusion. And mm-hmm. th- this is the, the case of every time that pricing changes. It, it's yeah. not no, not related to to this specific tooling or to Microsoft. But every time pricing changes, it will make people mad yeah. because they're going to realize I apparently now need to pay for something that I never needed to pay for previously. But if you apply your mind, it does make sense. And and I, I appreciate the uh, the explanation.
1: But in this case, I just like maybe it's just. I'm like too, too in it, but uh, the current features are still going to be in the same skew as they used yep. to be. So yes. it's not really that that price is changing, but it's that the additional features are coming in as new SKUs that you can then purchase. So I do think it's a little different when you have an existing feature and you then it's been free and then you put a price on it, Mm -hmm. whereas if you get a new feature and that gets a price. So I do think that is easier for people to digest.
0: If that was only the case. (laughs) Okay, maybe Um, not. (laughs) And and So the the reason that I brought this up was there's something called the Tabular uh, Uh Editor. It's a fantastic tool Um, built by by an MVP in in, in Denmark. And editor exists in two versions. Version 2, which is completely open source and free, super powerful, but all the new really sexy features, they're part of version 3, which is a paid version. People went absolutely ballistic Mm -hmm. when he decided to start charging for it. And in my view, it makes all Mm -hmm. the sense. But as soon as you change pricing, people are going to, uh, let's say, notice. True that. And have yeah, and I think
2: we can continue this because this is this is one of the things that I'm I'm honestly very passionate about. That I do like. I'm a Microsoft fanboy. Like that, that's no question about it. <laughs> really? I, yeah. Really? Like, like it isn't obvious. But at the same, like I, I'm of the opinion that companies are in business because they want to earn money. They might do a number of fantastic things while making money, but they're still there to make money. And I don't think it's yeah. a, any problem to make money. I think it's a good thing if a company is successful. But a lot of persons within the community, and especially like if you look at the broader customer community, gets absolutely furious when you have price increases. It's like now, 1st of April, they increased the price of all the Microsoft 365 SKUs by 15%. And people go ballistic. Like It's like, how can they do this? And you have this antitrust review of Microsoft in Germany where one of their competitors are accusing them of having a a too big of a position in the market. And that might be the case. But when they then also say that, yeah, and because of that, they can now increase the prices and really push their customers to the limit. Come on. Everything in the world has gone up 15% or more over the last year, it's absolutely unreasonable that Microsoft would just say, "No, we have all the money we need. We won't increase our prices." If they would have followed the index, it would probably have even been even more expensive. And now we're getting into very muddy waters here, but I—that—that's I, my case, and we'll get back to that later on. Because we also need to talk about what's what you actually get for the, <laughs> this this amount of money, ten dollars per user per per month. So remote help, kind of obvious what it does. It's a remote control tool. So it, it can replace things like TeamViewer for, for Windows and Mac OS. Uh, and in future uh, versions, you will um, also get support for Android and, and, and so on moving forward. So you can control remote devices, integrated with Intune using your Azure AD identity, and it's part of the, this, the solution. There are other things that does similar stuff for the same price or lower or even free, but this is the first party remote help tool you will get from Microsoft, which has its benefits in terms of integrations, authentication, and, and things like so. So that's one thing that's available as a standalone product as well. Then you have endpoint privilege management. This is something I've been really looking forward to. So you can, will be able to, with this tool, to control elevation of standard user permissions on endpoints. So you can be a regular user on your Windows endpoint and your administrator can say that whenever you launch this app, you will launch it as administrator and you don't have to think. So you don't have the complete administrative permissions, but your administrator will Point to certain applications, and we'll launch with the right user privileges.
0: All our Swedish listeners will understand this. And <laughs> again, <laughs> oh, this this has been so long. And this coming.
2: have been something that's been around for a long time from third parties, but it's been ridiculously expensive, and it's a skill on its own to manage it. Once you get there, it's an amazing solution. But this will, I think, be a complete game changer. Uh, it, it will help organizations in, in so many different ways. And it we might actually even get to the point where you can be a standard user in your device, but still feel empowered to run your developer tools or whatever it can be. Yeah. But you will only be able to run your developer tools as administrator. And you don't have to like first say I want to be an admin for five minutes and then launch the app and then it expires and then you can debug and everything like that. I I do think this will be a huge change and um, I I can't wait to put it into production on on several of my customers. This is also available as a separate SKU so you can purchase only that if you like. Then we have the uh, advanced endpoint analytics and endpoint analytics for the ones that doesn't know. It's basically, as it states, Endpoint Analytics. It will gather a number of different data points from your devices that will be magically transferred into pie charts and all of these fantastic things, which you can then draw conclusions from. So you can see if you have applications that are crashing more frequently on certain devices, boot performance, whatever it might be. Now, with these more advanced Endpoint Analytics Models and dashboards, you will extend what you can use this data for and you will get more intelligent results back. Basically saying that, yeah, when you updated this application or deployed this update, we could see a decrease of performance with X amount of percent. You might need to do this uh, for it to improve. So it's digital employee experience management, but also a great great help for um, uh, IT help desks and so on to follow up on changes and how it impacted the estate. Then we have the Microsoft Tunnel for Mobile App Management or Microsoft Tunnel for MAM. So Mobile Application Management, we have covered that. Uh, it's not MUM, it's MAM. We have had that discussion and listened to our previous episodes about MUM. But it's basically a micro VPN, and I'm reading from the blog post now, that connects to corporate resources from personal iOS, iPad, OS, and Android devices. So you have an application that you deploy to a unmanaged endpoint. So it can be your personal phone or personal iPad. It doesn't have to be managed. When you deploy this application and sign in using your Azure AD credentials, it will also enable you to start a VPN connection for that app alone back to whichever data center or cloud you want the VPN to terminate in. So instead of pushing out a VPN app, a certificate, specialized credentials, connecting using that VPN, starting the app, it's now self-contained within the app and manageable based on the user's identity rather than the user's device.
1: Sounds like magic. (laughs) It does.
2: (laughs) And, And this now, so the... Uh, Microsoft Tunnel for mobile application management. That is together with the management of speciality devices, the P2, and my uh, SKU of Intune. And my view is that there is one or two or a handful of really big companies that are customers of Microsoft at some point that really needed these two things and didn't want anything else. And therefore, they invented a SKU that were suitable to them. That's fine but I don't really see that skew taking off. Uh, But it's super useful if if you have in other markets, like I think this scenario is relatively uncommon in in Sweden especially, but probably in many of the other European markets, but it's more or a lot more common in uh, the US as an example or in Asia. Uh, The management of specialty devices, again, is the ability to manage... Things that run especially Android, but isn't really a phone or a tablet. So, where you need to manage a VR headset, which will have very specialized settings or or a very specialized version of Android, but which can connect to Microsoft Intune and be managed in that way. So, again, if you have a big amount of VR headsets, and we'll see more and more of those organizations popping up, this will be a, a game changer for that. So those are the things that are announced now. And in a relatively near future, we'll get the advanced app management capabilities, uh, which will enable you to, instead of packaging an app, uploading it, and manually distributing the updates and so on, uh, letting Microsoft do that automatically for you to some extent. And then Cloud Certificate Management is basically PKI in the cloud. And that is something I do think a lot of organizations will value, and that yes. hopefully will increase, uh, especially um, securing wireless networks and so on. So, what do you think? Does it sound like a, a, a good value for money?
0: I think it does. Um, I'm 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 trying to um, to process just yeah. all these bits and pieces and and how everything fits in, but. Considering our conversation about mm-hmm. cost previously, um, I still feel like all of these things are, are yeah. valuable. So, yeah, my 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 short and somewhat uninformed answer has to be yes. This this does make sense, and this this is a reasonable packaging.
1: Yeah, I do think it makes sense for me as well. Uh... It'll be interesting how the different skews evolve over time, because Mm -hmm. I do think it might be a little bit of it's this way now in the beginning, and then over time when they see what things are actually used together, they might evolve a little bit. as you said, Simon, I think it's going to be like a more of a progression of taking a single capability and yeah. taking that into use and then the next one and so forth, especially with the flexibility of licensing. Why would you mm-hmm. do it any other way? Yeah, And hopefully organizations don't do that. They, they just buy an entire suite of something and then they don't use any of it. Like, that's not... <laughs> Good for anyone. No. So, but I do think there's a lot of really interesting capabilities there and things that have been needed for a long time even. So yeah. I think I'm really excited about that part.
0: And and also to 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 add on to this, the, the flip side of not packaging stuff. Um, we've seen in, in the past what happens when you give people mm-hmm. too many choices. And while this is a smorgasbord, you can pick and choose whatever you want. Yes, you can, will you? Mm. No. So so there, mm-hmm. there's always going to be two sides of the same of, of the of the coin of, of packaging. So uh having multiple mm-hmm. packages is probably still the preferable way to go until such time that the number of packages all well, puts us back to 60 different versions of, of yeah. something.
2: And and we're we're running out of time. So in the interest of time, I will just put my soapbox here and take a step up on it and say, I, I, I don't really know what I think about Microsoft doing all of this. And the reason for that is that for me is Microsoft Microsoft is a, a partner friendly company. They might at some point be like pushing partners hard or or whatever it might be, but it's always been an ecosystem. And I'm not entirely convinced that Microsoft is the most suitable company to make all of these products. Uh, And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about and, and are challenging Microsoft on as well. Should you really do this or should you let partners do it instead? I do think it's some things they absolutely should do, some things they should definitely not do. But I do also understand that there are a lot of customers that prefer to buy everything from a single vendor and might even consider either paying more or getting lower feature, like fewer features or whatever it might be. But to me, I am very passionate about tying different partners together. So where you have the strong integrations and where Mm -hmm. each partner does what they do absolute best they can focus on, rather than having less good features just because it says Microsoft on the box. Is this something you talk about within your different areas as well? And what's your thought on that as to sum it up?
0: This is exactly where I was going because uh, take Tabular Editor, okay. for instance. It occupies a niche that there there are no other tools that do the same thing. It would surprise me to no end if Microsoft were not Developing something similar. Take Databricks. Databricks had their own niche when Microsoft stepped away from um, Azure. Um, was it the the um, data lake analytics? So they handed essentially that to to Databricks. What do we have today? We have Synapse trying to muscle in on 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 Databricks. So I think it comes down to what you're optimizing mm-hmm. for. And if you're Microsoft, you're optimizing for when mm-hmm. or or. or um, Profit. And in that case, it makes all the sense to make everything. It doesn't need to be the best. It just needs to be the one Mm -hmm. that people buy. And I totally agree with you from a customer perspective. It is not desirable for Microsoft to do all these things. But from their perspective, I I see the reasoning. I just don't (laughs) agree with it.
1: Yeah. uh, I guess I'm still a little bit thinking about it, but I do think there's like a few sides to it for one, most organizations won't need the best product for Mm -hmm. every every area. Like It won't be required for a lot of the organizations. And also it might be then a matter of price as well, that if you have those things brought together, then the price can be lower as well uh, from that point of view. But yeah, I can definitely also, how can one company ensure that each of these areas is actually... Executed on par, it's hard to see how that can really happen efficiently. And yeah, I don't have an answer. I just have thoughts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's all. That's all we are asking for. <laughs> and with that, I think that was the end of our longest focus segment so far. So uh, we are more Ooh. than happy to get your feedback on what you've thought about this format. Um, your thoughts on the topic and and how uh, if this is a way we should continue with moving forward. And speaking about moving forward, we have some upcoming events. First and foremost, uh, AVD TechFest will be returning 2023. Some of you might not be surprised of the location, but we are going to Edinburgh in Scotland on September 14th. Uh, The event will be free to attend, uh, and we hope to see all of you there. We'll start to announce more details, uh, sponsors, speakers, uh, all of that soon. But uh, do pencil in September 14th in beautiful Edinburgh, Scotland, the UK, uh, and, and see you there. I will be attending MVP Summit uh, probably So the week this is released, if I'm now not miscalculating at all. Uh, i looking forward to that. And then I will be speaking at the SUGTEC, so the Citrix User Group Technology Conference in Norway, uh, June 5th until the 7th. So I will be celebrating Swedish National Day in Norway, which I'm looking forward to. So that's what I will be doing.
0: That's interesting. I'll be attending the MVP Summit, albeit virtually. Uh, I couldn't go to the mm-hmm. US this, this year. But uh, I will be going physically on a boat, which is... A weird thing. I don't do boats, <laughs> I fly. But uh, there is something called the Parbi BI Cruise, which uh, goes from uh, Copenhagen up to mm. Oslo and back. That's going to be on the 24th to the 26th of April. And it's kind of a neat event, only 60 tickets, and all the sessions are actually three hours. Wow. So, really, Deep dive stuff. And one of the sessions, uh, unfortunately, at the same time as mine, is uh, Matthias Tierbach talking about uh, Timdall. And then we have uh, Microsoft Build, not to forget that, uh, 23rd to the 25th of May. I've been told it will be epic, as always. Uh, Build has kind of gotten a re- revival, if you will, um, for, for the likes of us, because previously it was generally towards um, mm-hmm. developers. But this, um, it, it's it's gaining steam as a, in general. Uh, oh, look what we did! These are cool things, kind of thing.
1: And I'll be also attending MVP Summit online. Also, couldn't make it uh, to Seattle in this time frame. And in the beginning of June, I will be speaking at Data Platform Next Step, which will be at the Legoland Hotel, which is exciting because I've never been there.
2: Wow.
0: Yes. Fun.
1: Exactly.
0: Indeed. And on that fun note, it is, again, time to end. And until next week, have a wonderful time. See you then. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Deep in Tech. Need Deep in Tech is a biweekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at mediumtech.com.